This is Thomas DePolo. This is Max. This is Kevin Ham. Hey, this is Jake Cook. Hi, this is William Roy. You're listening to The Green Box. you'd asked me a month ago my my feelings on this topic i, I would have it would have been and my answer would have been no so i'm going to hit you with the crushing cold but then i want to talk about some of the pretty fruitful discussions i've had about it uh, in the past month or so um so let's put aside online gaming for a minute let's talk about gaming at a table um you're the gm what is your rule or do you have a rule on cell phones at the table do i have a rule on cell phones at a table no um unless it becomes a problem so at, like a, dis- a distraction yeah if it's a, if it's a distraction i will say something if it's like jim's gonna go look up a rule um while everybody else does their combat turn and then he'll have the answer by the time it comes back to him that's great max and Ethan. Thoughts on your personal reference? It's been so long since I ran a game in person. Every in-person game I've run has been with people who were pretty on the ball about playing the game, and I've never had to, like, ask anyone to stop doing it. Um, The other thing is that, like... I feel like I don't know. I don't necessarily like have the social power over a friend group to enforce what is essentially like a high school teacher level of authority over them, like. People are people are gonna respect my authority as the guy running the game, but I don't know to what extent people would respect if I or or anyone else in the hypothetical scenario uh, says like don't use the the cell phone because I, I I understand why you're asking about this because there's the scenario where people are just not paying attention. Yeah, my answer a month ago would have been no because even if you try not to make it distracting, it's eventually going to be distracting, and. As a GM, it's frustrating to be like, "Well, it's your turn," and he'd be, he'd be like, "Oh shit, put your phone down." All right, uh, where's the bad guy again? Like, you know that that sucks, right? Um, but I've I've had a couple of interesting conversations. One revolves around like so one one revolves around using the phone as a tool, which is kind of neat. Um, like back in the day, if you wanted to do something in secret, you pass the GM a note. Like, you'd write on a piece of paper, you'd fold a piece of paper up and you hand it over. But, like, everyone sees you do that. So, obviously, they're, like, even if they're not trying to metagame it, they're, like, like if you pass the GM a note and then the GM is, like, oh, Will is missing. It's, like, well, obviously, Will's up to, like, some sneaky shit. Like, you're going to go figure it out, you know? Um, so, so, the idea that if everybody – and also, if, if the rules no phones and somebody needs to text you a note and they pull out their phone and then, you're, then, you, look at, then you look at your phone and it's, like, just as obvious as, like, handing them a note. But if everybody's phones are, like, respectfully out and, like, you know – off to the side of their play area and, you know, checked every now and then for whatever's going on. Then you can send a note and the note is actually like totally, totally secret, which I find, I find pretty compelling as a, uh, as a potential tool. I do recall when I ran my big fat deep one wedding, um, the bit where the bit where the case officer texts the agents to be like, Hey, get off the Island. Um, I had, ever, I happened to have the cell phone numbers for everybody at the table. Um, it wasn't my regular group. There were some extra faces there. So I actually sent a group text message to everybody and it, it went completely over their heads because everyone had politely put their phones away and turned them <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's the case where you almost have to say like, Hey, I'm cool with phones at the table. You know, obviously, no distractions. You know, here, here is the kind of the my philosophy. But if you want to use it to communicate, you should, and I may use it to communicate with you, and you know, in game and stuff. So you kind of set that expectation, and then people actually have it out and be able to check it, which is kind of nice. Um, The other kind of use case that has kind of turned me around on it is 
if you use any kind of um, like there's a million million systems like but like an X card or a red light green light you know wh- whatever system you might use to promote like safety at your table, uh, someone still has to like reach out and like manipulate that object or put a card down and then then it's obvious that like okay you know like Max was the one who wasn't comfortable here and like and if you're not comfortable you may not be comfortable being the one you may not be comfortable being the one who like outs yourself as not comfortable you know what I'm saying but if you can. If you can just send the GM a text message, then the GM can work that in. Can work that in instead of being like, "Oh, you know, Max, uncomfortable. We're going to stop." He just pivot. Now, that's the use case I'd never considered, and also I'd never really considered the fact that if somebody has to like put a card down, then they're essentially outing to everyone else at the table that they're the ones who are uncomfortable, which may not someone may not be willing to do. Like some people may just suck it up and be uncomfortable rather than be socially outed. That's a good observation, actually. I've often criticized the card system for exactly that reason, and that's a clever way around it. It could even work. I mean, if you're playing with your group of friends you played with played with since high school, that's less of an issue. But if you're at like a con or something, you could, even if you didn't want to get everybody's number, you could have everybody in a group chat of some kind, you know, a Discord or a who knows, like Google Chat, you know, whatever the case may be. I'm sure I'm sure there's also a million, million chat apps that will make an ad hoc room that, like, runs in a browser or something. Um, and you could be like, hey, look, we're going to use this. That's how we can communicate secretly. And if you have any issues, you know, let me know. And then you have yeah, – I think it gives you players a lot more, like, autonomy, almost, you know? Yeah. Because we could do that online. Like, you can just PM your DM and be like <laughs> – PM your DM. <laughs> you, can just say, you, just, you can just send a PM and be like, hey, man, uh, I'm not cool with this. And the DM could be like – all right, whatever, you know, and then you're not really outed at the table, but in person you lose, like, that's one of the things you lose about in-person gaming, supposed to online gaming, is that anonymity. And I think phones, you know, phones slash tablets slash laptops, whatever, are a pretty good way to, or can be a good way to get that back. I think you just have to police, you have to just set your expectations of, like, you know, try not to be doing other stuff while you're gaming. My feeling is that people paying attention to their phones rather than the game, every time I've seen it happen, and this has been, like, at tables where I was not the person running the game, every time I've seen it happen, it's been a result of the scenario that was presented not being something that regularly involved the whole group. And that is especially bad in games that have lengthy and complicated combat. I think that the vision of everyone preparing their actions on their turn like reading and mastering the description of the spell they're about to use assessing the battlefield condition i think in practice if if the combat takes too long and if there's lots of npcs and lots of players and takes a long time for each of them to go the reality is that people will only pay attention to something that doesn't directly involve them for so long before they just start looking at their phones that's been my experience with um with a few systems it's not quite so bad in Delta Green because Delta Green isn't a game where you have to master a lot of rules for basic actions. I think ideally yeah. players would know their own spell descriptions and know their own abilities and stuff and would would have thought of the shit beforehand, but it kind of gets to the, one of the reasons why I'm not a huge board game fan because I think a lot of board games have the same issue where you are only actually playing a quarter of the time. The rest of the time you are assessing the situation and letting other people do stuff and it's, uh, I don't know if, if you guys have, have, you probably have heard of this, um, the issue with self-driving cars where the current state of automation is it's automated, but you, but the user is required to be paying attention at all times and in case their intervention is needed. And the reality is that that's way more fucking dangerous than having no automation at all. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to pay attention when you don't have yeah, to do anything. It, it is hard to pay attention when you are not being asked to do anything. 
that's the reality of like why lectures are probably not the best form of delivering information, but they stick around because like the alternative is very complicated and expensive, like hands-on education. And just and also a lot of the purpose of lectures, and especially in hard science disciplines, the purpose of lecture classes is to very quickly get rid of a lot of students that the professors just don't want to deal with, which, yeah. which is fucked up, but also understandable if you've ever been like an adjunct. Yeah, exactly. Or a TA. The the, the common refrain I hear when people say um, <clears throat> the common rebuttal, which I think is stupid, but I'm going to throw it out there when people say like, if it's not your turn, you should be like prepping for your turn, like getting ready so you stay engaged. A lot of times, like. Say there's five people on the table, and I just went. By the time it gets to like person number two, if I plan to do something, like if I make a plan now, it's gonna change after the next three people go. So you can't really like pre-plan your turn unless you're like next, you know? Because like, oh, I'm gonna like I'm gonna go knock that door down, and then two people in front of you, the barbarian, like sets the door on fire. Like, well, now I can't plan that anymore. I gotta I gotta redirect. So I always I always thought that that rebuttal was really trite. Like people don't don't actually play games, do you? Uh, no, I think it's I think it's a there, there's a reasonable um so so if you are planning some kind of like relatively sophisticated interaction that depends on the, the state of the playing field, then yeah, you can be caught off guard by somebody doing something totally unexpected. And sometimes that takes the form of like someone initiating combat during a sequence where you thought you were going to um to do something clever or someone not sticking to a plan and forcing you to improvise which is fine having to improvise is part of is part of the games and is part of real life but i also understand why that people feel that that they wasted their energy planning something i feel like there's like a mathematical formula like the further the closer it is to your turn the, the easier that is to pre-plan the further away it is the harder it is and there's like there's a, probably a perfect number, like three people away or two people away, where you're most likely to get the most bang for your buck. Well, here's the thing, right? Like, the, the game state will change as it cycles through it cycles through everybody's turns. But if if it's going to take... If the only time you can effectively plan is when it is meet the turn immediately before yours, then, well, we have to assume from that that it is possible to plan your turn in the space of one other person's turn. So if that's the case, then what you're doing is not coming up with a plan then waiting n number of turns where n is the number of players minus one, you are coming up with a plan and altering the plan as it cycles through everyone's turns as the, as the game state changes. So you are actively engaged with the game because you are looking at the game state and you are, and you are, you are, you are adapting your plan as things develop rather than making a plan and then playing on your phone for four turns and then going and being caught off guard because things are different. You're like, how the plan does work. Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. And that's true. That keeping your plan up to date does engage. Yeah. That is a thing that a lot of people struggle with, and you you are you are right to bring in the board games comparison, Kevin, because I have seen that, that was, a lot. It was Max. Sorry, you're right to bring in the board <laughs> games comparison, Max. Uh, we've talked about analysis paralysis a lot, uh, sometimes even on this show, uh, and that is a thing that that I have seen a lot in games that have that level of strategic depth that you can't just improvise your turn; you have to actually think about it. So yeah, for some reason that's hard to do for a lot of people to improvise on and stay engaged and keep thinking about your plan. This must be one of my superpowers because I can do that with zero effort. When it's not my turn, I'm on my phone or on my, my Chromebook, but what I'm doing is I'm looking up spell descriptions, I'm checking rules, I'm making sure that when it's my turn, I am ready to go. Uh, yeah, that's probably why I prefer in games like, uh, like Elder Tor, where if everyone just takes their turn and you don't talk about anything, like it's really boring, but if you're saying... 
all right, I'm going to do this. That'll set you up for this. Is that, you know, is that job with your plan? You can't talk it out a little bit. Everyone stays engaged, and then the turns go by a little quicker. I like cooperative games for that reason. I don't like Eldritch Horror because it tends to quarterbacking, so I, I much pref- I, I am much more engaged yeah. by cooperative games uh, like Battlestar or The Thing, where everyone is working together, but a number of people have different objectives and could be giving bad advice. Yeah, I definitely, in Eldritch Horror games, I found... I generally pick a support hero, basically, and then I tell people, like, look, I certainly could tell you the optimal stuff, but I won't. I will just give you, like, I'll try to stop us through anything really crazy. But ask me, if you, like, hey, do you think this is a good idea? I'll explain why it is or isn't, but I'm not going to, like, shout orders at you. And I found that makes it a lot more enjoyable for everyone. I used to play a lot of Eldritch Horror with my friend Allison, who we had on the show. Uh, and she and I are both very good at planning and complex game systems like that. So typically, whenever we would get people together to play Elder Chore, the game would inevitably devolve into the two of us just quarterbacking the entire rest of the group. Yeah. Yeah, you have you have to just not do that, but that's obviously difficult. Especially when you're, like, in crisis. <laughs> the reason I brought that up, the reason I brought that up was just, uh, I had cha- I had been, I think I talked on the show long ago, we talked about cell phones and tools and stuff, and I think I was pretty harsh, or at least I imagine I was pretty harsh, because my philosophy was pretty, pretty much you a harsh hard never. no. I can't imagine Yeah, it. yeah, exactly, which is, I know it's a shock to even imagine how, if I might be harsh on something. Um, but I've come around on it, and I think it's a powerful tool, uh, and I'm really curious, um, you know, I was, well, I was curious what you guys all thought, obviously. I'm curious what anyone else thinks, I, I think... Because I think a lot of people's knee-jerk reactions after having bad experiences where players weren't paying attention on their phones is no phones. It always sucks, you know? Yeah, and I understand why, why, why groups have that, that uh, philosophy. And if, if, if that is a necessary uh, thing to have, great. Just as long as everybody's on the same page. I don't, I, I don't think it's wrong to say no phones at the table, certain. Especially if you're playing with a group of people you don't really know very well and you haven't established expectations. Which, hey, that's a thing we've talked about on the show, too. It's more reason to do a session zero. So. Yeah, exactly. One thing I will add uh, to, to, to pivot a little bit onto being distracted in online games. Um, as speaking as somebody who runs games online, I can tell when someone's distracted. I know. You're not hiding it. You're not fooling anybody. I know when you're distracted. Oh, sorry, can you say that again? Yeah. <laughs> Especially if uh, cameras are on, and I can see you're just kind of staring at the screen blankly and not reacting to things when some people say things. Real quick, uh, I was in a meeting the other day with two people, um, and I had my, my camera on, but I was fucking, I was playing, like, I was playing somebody. <laughs> um, and someone in the rest of you, they were like, your glasses are really reflective. And I was like, ah! Shit, they are. Oh, pro tip for for um, <laughs> video conferences and also playing games online with cameras on. Um, place the window that you're fucking off in directly next to or below your camera so it looks like that you're paying attention. Because yeah. that is a thing that we are wired to look for. If somebody is making eye contact, you think of that as they are paying attention. Yeah. Uh, in fact, do that anyway if you're on a video conference because if you have your camera in a different part of your screen than where the video is, you will look like you're not paying attention even though you are because instinctively you're looking at the eyes of the person speaking and that's not where your camera is. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh, I'm, I'm actually going to go in a different direction and say that um, you should, if, if, if possible, um, place the camera at three quarters rather than directly looking at your face because most people's heads and faces look better at an angle than straight on. Yeah, it's true. The, the optimal angle is slightly above, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so so off to the because I because I'm lucky that I got two monitors and so I put the um the the actual device itself like at an angle so that I um I uh, am not looking directly at it I'm looking at the actual monitors and maybe it looks like I'm not paying attention but I also fucking look fabulous so yeah um, and that's what's most important yeah that's winning 
I mean, I would, Will, honestly, I was with you um, until the last part about telling where people's eyes are looking, because I, I, you're probably right, I'll say that, but also I've spent my entire life with people trying to fucking micromanage my facial expressions, so <laughs> when, you start, when you start getting on me about that, I, um, like, I will no longer play your game. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely had people PM me, again, in work settings, and be like, can you stop laughing at th- things? Like, if someone says something really stupid, and I'll just, like... I'll, sm- I'll smirk and smile and like look like I'm laughing because I am but that person's an idiot like <laughs> I'm obviously laughing at them somebody told me not to laugh at something I would say stop saying stupid things then yeah right I was like I'm just gonna turn my camera off yeah, yeah. yes well I usually turn my camera off because like I don't know what I'm going to do in any given circumstance and I would just rather not be displayed like I don't know if I'm gonna like have to get up and do something I don't know if I'm gonna like have to rub my eye or whatever. And again, I've like gone my whole life with people fucking trying to micromanage. Like, why did you yawn there? You know, why are you scowling? And fuck you. Well said. My response. Well said. Now on the topic of people not playing it, not paying attention in online games. I think that this goes back to what I've said before about how I think that two players is the ideal number for a Delta green investigation, because the players get to play the game pretty much the entire time. Whereas when the group gets really lost in a planning discussion, it's usually a handful of people of which like one or two are really strong advocates of a particular position and everyone else is waiting for them to resolve the debate. And then, which in itself is not that bad, the absolute worst is when you have the planning discussion and then at the end someone who was not following it but dislikes the result will then interject and take the discussion back to square one. I've actually blacklisted people over that because it's something that annoys me so much. And I understand that it's, you know, maybe not a hundred percent fair to, to, to do that if I haven't communicated that clearly as an expectation. But like one of the things I've learned is that you should not defensively design stuff to deal with problems that you have with people. That's a lesson it took me a long time to learn. In engineering, you can design defensively because you can't control the behavior of every user of your system. That's a reality. So you have to design for a certain expected type of behavior with a reasonable variance, and then you can sometimes you have to design for the worst case scenario. But in RPGs, you don't have to do that. I've been I've been pretty pretty negative, so I will say that um, smaller groups of players are a great way to combat this phenomena of inattention. Because you're just you're giving people more of an opportunity to actually play rather than watch other people play. Yeah, I think my my old answer to how many people is, is ideal was like five, and I probably think it's more like three or four now. I'm not quite at two, but I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I'm trending in that direction. I, I have I have remained unchanged from my my stated position on this earlier, which is that that number is larger if you're at an in person table because it's easier to engage. Yeah, yeah. definitely. But notice yeah. and note notice well that you're not the only one who said that because. At Gen Con Online, I think the recommended number... So Gen Con in real life, the recommended number of players by Arcdream was five. And at Gen Con Online, it was four. And I don't even know if that was Arcdream. That may have been Gen Con Online. Uh, it was specifically in Arcdream's descriptive text. It might have been something that they got from Gen Con Online. Yeah, because I, I, I know in person they get that. Gen Con Online makes the table sizes 
I'm pretty sure they do, and then everyone just mirrors those. Yeah, Gen Con typically says five to six is the ideal number. Okay, yeah. At least they did for the, for, for in-person Gen Con. I don't know what uh, Gen Con line, uh, if, if they altered that. <laughs> Gen- no, no, they left no, something Gen- on the table by not calling it Gen Con line. Well, no, we've all been to Gen Con line. It's going to pick up your stuff at Will Call. Yes. It's yes. trying to walk anywhere. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, um, did you guys hear that um, I should look this up because I did you hear Will you'll you'll care about this and Kevin you might too because you're also a grog. Um, Luzaki got sick with something or other during setup and was like in the hospital and um, I and 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 like people were worried it was COVID but I think that last I heard that that it was um, actually just because the dude's pretty old and apparently they don't run the AC during setup in the convention hall Oof. and it's fucking yeah, Indiana in the middle of summer. That makes sense. Yeah. So I mean, it, I have to look this up because this, this is something yeah. that I heard like a like a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it costs a lot of money to run ACs. Yeah, so especially that's pretty, in a big pretty open space like shows. a convention center. So they're not going to fully turn on the house, you know, uh, services until they are getting paid to. I imagine the AC for the convention center in the middle of summer has to run basically continuously on full blast because there's just yeah, so many people. Yeah, so much air. Yeah, and like people, people generate a lot of heat. Yeah, it's weird, right? Yeah, yeah. Like you don't you don't think about that, but when you have a mass of people in this enclosed space, that room gets hot fast. Well, just like you know how hot a hundred degrees is. So imagine standing there. Imagine yeah, it's every the boiling point of water. Essentially, is essentially oh my god, <laughs> is a uh, hundred degrees in real people terms. Americans when they have to check the thermometer instead of the thermofoot. <laughs> nice, that's good. So yeah, I didn't think this would be a super long segment, but I just wanted to chat through it. We got a few things. Any uh, other rabbit trails or parting thoughts or anything? I mean, I, I, I will acknowledge that people having their phones out and not paying attention is a problem. And I, I, I think that there is probably some causal element there, and it's not just a symptom of people being disengaged for other reasons. But I think generally most of the problems I've had with player disengagement have not been self unrelated. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so I'll lead. Please. No, it's from The Sting. What is The Sting? Oh my god. Again, Jake's never seen any movies. Let's get that joke out of the way I don't know what that is. I didn't know what is The Sting. It's a movie. Explain it to me. It's about a sting. It is one of the better movies of its type about a sting. It's very famous. Robert Redford. Okay. I, I presume that they're trying to catch somebody doing something. Yeah, yeah. There's um, what's the name for that scam where you've got? Because it's it's the horse racing scam where you delay the results. Oh God, I'm sure I'm sure it has a name. Yeah. This has been a long time since long time since I've seen the film, but there is a particular name for it. I know that because Hustle did it like three times. It's pretty clever depriving information from somebody like that. Well, what you do, right? How the scam? I don't, I don't recall if this is how it works in the film, but what? Passport, passport yes. thing. Yes. All right. So tell us how pass posting works. So let's get this tangent out of the way. The basic scam is you delay the results so that you know what the results are before everybody else on the betting floor does, and then you you know you clean up. So, so uh, our topic. Why are we talking about? Why are we talking about this sting? Yeah. Why are we talking about the sting? I don't know. I'd rather talk about Sting, the wrestler who also had a pretty good role in the 1984 Dune movie. But that's a uh, it's another tangent that I what don't. About, what about down. what about member of the police sting? That's good too. Yeah. Wait, is it the same person? What, Hold about on, the, is that... what about the inevitability? What about the inevitability as you as you the fox swim across the river with a scorpion on your back? The frog, but yes. 
You know, that's really funny. I actually, yeah, I had to use that fable yesterday. What, 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 do, you, like, what do you mean a, a fox swim across the river with a frog on its back? That doesn't make any sense, Jake. What, are, you, are you drunk? <laughs> yeah, there's no stings. Frogs can't sting you, Jake. The, the frog and the scorpion. It's it's definitely the fox and the scorpion, and I know this from from Robert Beltran. It's a frog and a scorpion. Are we in like a uni, uni, like universe A and universe B here? It's a fucking frog and a scorpion. No, can, like look, it's part a of the fable. country says pop, some part of it says soda. And it's like where we say soda, it's a it's a fox. And like where you guys say pop, it's something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. down here yeah. down here we actually use Coke as the catch all. You're like you go to the restaurant, yeah, which, is, which, is, which is even worse. <laughs> you go to the restaurant and you're like, I want Coke, and they're like, what kind? <laughs> There's, there's like That's a, there's even worse. a narrow strip of of uh, latitude in which um, carbonated fizzy drinks are soda because above it it's pop and below it it's pop. <laughs> All right, so our topic for today. <laughs> Welcome to the green box. We, have a topic. <laughs> <laughs> we had a topic like an hour ago, but apparently, you know. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, we're gonna be talking about stings and you know what is a sting and like. How how can you use a sting like in your your law enforcement flavored Delta Green game? I guess it it doesn't even necessarily have to be like law enforcement. You can have like non cops doing a sting on some cultists. Stings or are something, just a right? useful tool for investigative games. I as a civilian have stung things. You know what? What did you sting, Kevin? Well, I say that, but then I realized that um, <laughs> none of these I should talk about. So uh, <laughs> the <laughs> for. cut that. Cut that. <laughs> The statute of limitations hasn't expired I mean, yet. Yeah, I mean, I'm okay saying that I've done it, but I'm not okay getting into specifics. Well, you, you don't want to say that you've done it on on a record of some kind, right? Yeah, you you wouldn't you wouldn't want it to be on like a podcast that gets broadcast out to let's be generous 700 people. No, it could like, be like 50. No, we definitely have hundreds of listeners. We, routine, we, Spotify we routinely doesn't talk get to... uh, in excess of 700 listens on every episode on SoundCloud. Oh, that's pretty good. Uh, half of those are my mom, though. Yeah, she doesn't know. She doesn't know what she just wants. She doesn't yeah. know what we're talking about. She just wants to support me. Uh, that's, that's sweet. There you go. So stings are kind of like uh, like heists, and I think we've talked about like heists in the past because I know Kevin likes uh, Blades in the Dark, and I do too. What's and, the heist uh, thing that I like, Jake? Uh, it's the show with the people that trick each other. It's called. Um, Surely you know what it's called, because I've suggested that you all watch it many, many times in the last three years. I, I can't fucking think of it. Um, it's, ba- it's Battlestar yeah, Galactica. It's, con- yeah. it's the show with con artists in yes. it. I know. Uh, Look, Will, Will has referenced that in, in this, this recording, recording already, so like, you really should know it, what it is. Is it Hustle or Leverage? It's Which hu- one? It's Hustle. <laughs> It's, it's definitely not okay. Leverage. Leverage is not a good me, show. Me, me frantically Googling show with con artists. <laughs> I will charitably describe Leverage as the American TV attempt at cu- at Hustle. Okay, I'll get around to it, I swear. You know, right after the, the stack of books <laughs> sure. on the side of my yeah. bed topples yeah, right, over right and right kills after, me. Right after you show up for the recording session on Stings. And, <laughs> and all the movies that we told you to watch. <laughs> so, all right, so look, so the thing about Stings and Delta Green is that if you just boil them down to a couple of mechanical roles, it's not very exciting. And you certainly could do that. Um, you could roll a couple rolls on the agent side and a couple opposed rolls on the bad guy side, and then okay, either you've 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 captured the bad guys in the act, or you you've got the intel you're looking for, or you haven't. Boy, that sounds like, that's fun. simple, but that's like boring, right? <laughs> but that's kind of how it works. I have I've had a lot of recent experience with this. Um, Jake would have if he could commit to things. Um, but uh, I'm playing in a game. It's not with fair, some folks. and you know it, you asshole. 
got so much going on right now. <laughs> you don't need to go to school. This is just the bully Jake episode. It is. School this is, school is for I, nerds. I feel know? quite stung, I'll tell you that right now. So, uh, I'm playing in a game of Godlike, which takes place in, it's a Moroccan-based oh, so, game. Sorry, sorry, about, a, a, ga- a game of what? Yeah, I'm not going to do the job-like. <laughs> um, choosy choosy uh, deities, choose Jif. Choose, choose Jif. Um, and it's very, unlike most Godlike, which is very... You know, punch Nazis, kill bad guys, fly around and, and shoot stuff. This is very spy based because we're we're undercover agents, undercover agents in this uh, smorgasbord of Morocco, where there's 35 other agencies operating in Morocco, all under these different bits of alliances. And you know, like it's not like it's like oh, the French are the good guys. Well, so there's some good French, there's some bad French, there's some kind of in between French. And there's like some good French who hate the British, but not the Americans. And so there's all sorts of stuff to do. And the game has been very, very fun. And it has involved a lot of this kind of spycraft, uh, a lot of tailing, a lot of, you know, wiretapping places, a lot of gathering intel. Uh, and I think a lot of that translates directly into Delta Green because very, very little of it is based, like godlike specific. Like it's not fun because we're rolling D10s and making stacks of matches. It's fun because we're, you know, getting into the milieu and like really, really kind of doing things. And so one of the ways that the GM in that game, Alan makes things nice is um, say we're trying to tail somebody. He's got a big map of the city and we'll do drive rolls to try to do it or stealth rolls. But also then he'll just be like, okay, they, they go to this corner and he'll, you know, he'll put their car in that corner and he'll be like, they turn right. Like, what do you guys do now? Like, we got to decide, do we take, is this guy actually turning right? Or is he taking four rights in a row to like, circle the blocks? He's one tailing him. Because if he's taking four rights in a row, we don't want to follow him. So instead of making us roll for that, like we've already rolled, we've already kind of set the stage. He makes us actually decide in the heat of the moment, like, how are we going to do this? And sometimes we've been right, sometimes we've been wrong. And the first time it screwed us, the next time we went out, we brought, like, three vehicles so we could easily, we could make two of the rights and then cut, break off, and another vehicle could pick them up. And that was a lot of fun, because when we figured that out, like, it was a great gameplay moment. And that wasn't because the system allowed it, or the dice said so. That was us like getting into it sounds like you could have just done without the dice roll to begin with like completely yeah uh yeah i mean i'm not gonna pick on alan whether or not some the of that dice is like said that you succeeded or not you still had it within you as players who have agency and take actions and, and succeed yeah yeah for sure there's definitely a case for not rolling as many dice but some you know the the alan's an older gm and you know he's he's a he's a die roller guy but is what it is but he still lets us play it out and like takes I think he takes that more into account than he does the the die roll. Plus, in Godlike, it's in my opinion, it's very easy to succeed at things in Godlike, which is ironic because when we played it here on the law session that doesn't exist, we found it very hard to succeed at things. The listeners have to take our word for that. I don't think we were recording that one. We we were. I think I think it just got lost. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I don't remember. This is the first I'm hearing about it. What did what did what did you Google look for? <laughs> You were trying to reach you about your car's extended warranty. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So, so practical advice is um, if the players understand the concept, um, let them get into it. And I said this before with, like, tactical shooting stuff. If you have, like, four players around the table who love, like, talking about slicing the pie and, like, kicking in doors, like, let them own it. Let them go in there and, like, just chew on that scenery. But if they don't, then don't worry about it. So kind of the same. If you have players who really want to get engaged in tailing and want to discuss ahead of time, okay, you're going to be the follow car, drop car. We're going to use these radios, you know, this protocol. Like if they're having fun planning that out, like let them just chew on it and enjoy it. 
And I don't know if you make it, like, like Jake said, make a decision. Maybe if, if they're going to plan it out so well, maybe don't make them roll for it. Maybe just have the bad, the bad guys roll, and if they get a really high success, then maybe they do spot them or whatever. But, you know, but if the players don't, uh, some of the advice you can before is, like, if, if you love stings and your players hate stings, don't force them to play a game about stings. Like, you got you to gotta kind of meet the players in the middle somewhere. But for the purposes of discussing on the discuss, discussing on this, <laughs> for the purpose of this discussion, I think we should assume that everybody involved wants to get into like making this more real. Otherwise, our advice is like, well, don't. End of end of episode. Have a good day. <laughs> but if players want to get into it, what else? What other advice can we give them? Or are there any like? I mean, my advice was kind of wishy washy. Are there any like rules or mechanics advice we can give? Yeah, I would borrow from blades in the dark heavily because blades in the dark is about heists right it's about pulling off jobs um what is a sting except not a heist right they're they're basically the same thing a a sting is a heist in reverse sort of like uh well yeah actually because if you think about it what the purpose of a heist is to break into a location and to make out with something that was inside of it uh whereas a heist is usually or sorry a sting is usually like this is the location we're in control of it to a degree we want to allow someone inside and then trap them there with you know physically trap them like an ambush or uh, catch them in the act of doing something we were trying to prove that they were doing. It's that sort of, it's a, it's a fixed location, right? So are armored car jobs heists or stings? Uh, it, explain? <laughs> An armored car job. Is that a heist or a sting? Uh, it's a heist, yeah. It's not necessarily like a fixed location, but it is like a moving location and there's the thing inside of it you want to steal the money or the but what if you what if through a series of like other car accidents you force them into like a, a place of your choosing to make them do the to make the actual uh like drop still technically a heist it's uh part of the ambush then it, i guess maybe it's more fluid than i'm trying to define it you know like a <laughs> rigid little boundaries and definitions yeah. what, what if you pick up the armor car with a giant magnet and then you drop the magnet you drop the truck with the magnet, you know, somewhere in, like in, into your sting area. And the most important thing is family. That's that's all you need to remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you gotta send this car to the moon. No, but um, I would I would say that like for real though, a sting usually is in a fixed place, and then there's a definition of like how much of that place is. Uh, this is this is borrowing directly from Blades in the Dark, Kevin. You know the difference between controlled, uncontrolled, and risky, right? Those are like game terms inside of that game i mean i i purport to as a as a as a someone who runs a lot of blades in the dark yes it's uh, like controlled like it's it's your house uh, or your warehouse or your super villain layer uh you're inviting these folks into it and then you can lock it down or react and respond kind of quickly to what's going on right like uh at the push of a button you can you know manually lock the electronic doors or uh, you, you say the, the magic code word into your radio and the guys with guns appear on the balcony and, and you get to say you're under arrest or whatever. And like that's that's probably the hardest thing to achieve in Delta Green, but I think it's possible. The payoff for that is so good because that is such a great set piece. You, you say the code word and in comes the backup. Right, right. And you get to dang, dangle the metal bracelets out in front and say put your hands behind your back or whatever. Do, do, do you guys want to hear a funny story? Uh, sure. sure. Yes. So I'm playing this dark heresy game with some guys in the Black Pants Legion. Um, and it comes time that we decide we're gonna we're gonna do a sting because 
<clears throat> so we get, we roll up to these um these uh these these arms dealers posing as like hive gang scum and we establish beforehand before we're going there right we we set up the code word is going to be ultramar okay code words ultramar got it right so we we go in we do the meet we see the goods and we're you know we're looking at them and and once once everything is out on the table you know i go man these these are some fine weapons you know finest i've seen since ultramar and then the conversation the conversation continues and then we keep going back and forth. And then, and then like, at some point, the GM goes, so are, are you guys going to say the code word? And I'm like, motherfucker, I said the code word 10 minutes ago. You missed it. He goes, oh, oh shit, oh, shit. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Well, you didn't – what he wanted you to do probably was be like, I haven't seen weapons this fine since Ultramar. <laughs> my, my, my buddy Sterling then goes, goes, yes, you said since Ultramar, did you? I said, that's right. I haven't seen weapons this good since Ultramar. Have you been to Ultramar? And then and then, then the tank busts down the door and out come the Arbites. <laughs> so and I have uh, just something that came to mind, uh, something that everybody's kind of familiar with uh, that I can relate to like a controlled sting, right? To catch a predator. Like, you know. Oh, fuck. Fuck that show. On, on popular opinion, that's a terrible, terrible I show. Not heard of this. What is it? Okay, so To Catch a Predator was oh, this wow. thing that that NBC used to do a long time ago. Well, I don't know. I think they still might do it. I don't. I don't know. They they dump other people like vigilantes do it now, so it's even worse than it was. Oh God. Okay, so Chris Hansen used to um, work with like I think it was like a county sheriff down in Florida or whatever, but they would bait pedophiles into coming into a house under the premise of having sex with underage girls and. Um, they get all like their message logs and pictures and like all the things that they say to this person who's portrayed themselves as like a child online. And then they'd have like an actor in the house and the actor would try and get the, the uh, you know, the alleged pedophile to admit to it like in person on camera, like hidden cameras throughout the house. And then finally, like Chris Hansen would come in and, and he would present the evidence and be like, you said you were going to bleep, 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 bleep into the bleep, 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 you know, or whatever. Right. And then usually, like, nine times out of ten, the person would either... They'd run. Like, they'd run from the house. <laughs> but the sheriffs would be, like, waiting, like, right outside to arrest them. And that's, that's a sting. I think that's a sting everyone's kind of familiar with. Now, of course, like Kevin was saying, there's a lot of... Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a good use of a sting. It's just it's a, it's a bad, like, yeah, uh, employment. Yeah, a lot of the... There's, like, some problems with the way that they did that. There's, like, a lot of people say it's entrapment or... Um, they don't document they, the evidence. They got somebody to kill themselves, which oh, yeah. was awful. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was good entertainment. That's what counts, right? It's a slightly yeah. As long, as long as only people we don't like are dying, then it's totally fine. But you know, getting into the nuances of, of how we treat pedophiles in this country and people who need help is well outside the scope of this yeah, podcast. It's a good example of a, it's a good example of a sting, though. It's a controlled environment, yeah. right? Yeah, for sure. So a good example of a sting. Like not in a controlled environment is a very typical, um, typical in like every cop show. You have like two dudes in a car watching like the stash house, and they're waiting for the bad guys to show up. And when they show up, like okay, oh, you know, Romeo's here. Okay, you know, Billy's here. Now they're doing the meet, and then they rush in and catch him in the act. So that's where like, you don't have control. You don't have control over the actual house, so to speak. But you have you know backup on the street, and you got like a helicopter nearby, and you got you know surveillance on it. So that's like kind of middle of the road, I think. No, I'd, I'd, I'd say that's risky because you don't know what's inside of that house. Like if we're talking about like game con, game terms, there's controlled, uncontrolled, and risky. Risky is like the, the dangerous one. I'd say that's, that's a pretty dangerous one. You don't know like who all or what all's inside that house, right? Um, what kind of weapons they have in there, you know, what what they can do to your guy who's in there trying to make the buy or whatever. I think I think that one's risky. Those are 
So, so what's your what's your example for uncontrolled? Um, probably like a neutral place, like uh, you know, it's not a gang stash house with their guns or whatever. It might be like um, you're arranging a buy at a neutral place, like a, a abandoned parking lot at night, or you know, your your Grand Theft Auto Four style, like back back behind some warehouses or whatever, a, like a public place that's neutral, you know. Each side can try and yeah, uh, they can they can try and affect like control over that. Like you can scope out the area like well ahead of time. You know, get you a a, a sniper perch on the rooftop or um, you know lay down some microphones ahead of time. You know, something like that. But yeah, that's that's the Blades in the Dark hierarchy is controlled, uncontrolled, and risky. And I think most games fall into either uncontrolled, but mostly mostly risky. Yeah, you're trying to go into the the cultist hideout. And get them to admit that they're trying to summon Azathoth or whatever you're trying to do there, right? Well, uh, uh, I'm going to talk about Godlike again, but a good example of that in, in gameplay is my character had set up a meet with this French French individual who was like middle, like not necessarily good French or bad French, but maybe in the middle. Uh, and the goal was just to kind of suss them out. Basically, be like, how much do you like Nazis? Do you hate Nazis more than, do you hate Americans more than Nazis? Where do you fall on the spectrum, right? So, I, we set the meetup for a public park, so I I went and got a bunch of other like um, personnel from 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 our side, and I was like, obviously this guy is gonna have there's gonna be a bunch of uh, there's gonna be you know me me and the, me and the guy meeting, and then we're each gonna have a few people who are really obvious because it's just we have to, and then we're gonna have a bunch of people who aren't obvious. So like I don't really need I don't need our guys with with telephoto lenses on rooftops to capture the guy I'm meeting with or his obvious people. I need them to look for the unobvious people because we're all gonna make the obvious ones and they're all gonna be burned. But like the the next ring out, next ring of surveillance out that obviously everyone's gonna have us included are the ones we have to make so that we know more about the about the uh, you know potential adversary. So that was a lot of fun to set up and and get intel for. So that's like. I guess you know to bring it back to Delta Green to bring it back into like how is that useful? Not just a fun story Kevin gets to tell. Um, you know, plan like you gotta better figure that your 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 enemy or your adversary is gonna be planning things at least as good as you are, if not better. So like think about what they're gonna do. Like so say you're meeting in a public park just to hand off the mythos tome. Well, he's whoever you're meeting with is gonna have guys ready for backup. So you need to neutral neutralize that backup first. So you got to set aside some of your agents or some of your manpower to like find those guys hiding in their cars and take them out or, you know, slash their tires or, you know, gym up or whatever, you know, and then if, if you're going to bring in an air asset, well, so is he, or, or he, he might think you're going to have an air asset. So he might be on the second floor instead of the top floor where your helicopter can't see it. You know, it's so like, think like the enemy or think like your adversary. Yeah. And these are all like sort of specific actions you can take to try and affect the outcome of the, of the sting, right? Uh, for that game of Godlike, where you were playing as, as secret agents, y'all had uh, different skill packages you could take related to tradecraft or related to actions that would benefit you in, in stings and undercover work and spycraft and all that stuff, right? So what about characters that don't necessarily have like the tradecraft skill or you know the shootman skills or the, the sneakman skills? Yeah, 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 good. Good example, because obviously everyone who got dropped into Morocco was ready for Spycraft. It's not like we picked up our regular characters from another godlike campaign and dropped in there. So in Delta Green, if you if you're not if you don't if you have a bunch of like uh, criminals, criminals are a bad example. If you have a bunch of doctors, scientists, you need to go do a sting. I mean, one, you know, one is like get help from friendlies if you need to. Like if you don't have the, the skills, maybe acquire them either you know through use of a friendly or another uh, like an asset of some kind. You know, you can lean on the requisition rules to get you, you know, boost there. 
Um, you could also rely on like like you may have no you may have very little skill in it, but like maybe you can justify that like unlike Jake, you've seen the movie The Sting a lot of times, like you really love it. So like you don't really know exactly how to do it, but you're going to take all these extra precautions and kind of hope the DM gives you a little bit of a you know. God, just hope that life um, imitates art. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, you know, uh, I always, I mean, I'm a big fan of, of special training being very wide. So if you if you know this is coming, you know, it's a multiple session thing. If you can take some kind of a special training, potentially, you know, talk to your jam about that. See if that's see if that's something you can do. Um, I'm, I'm picturing an agent like going on like certain... like Skillshare, and they're picking up like, like <laughs> yeah, how to master class. Yeah, how to effectively tail somebody or. You know. <laughs> um. Another thing you can do is lean on equipment. Um, like modern modern law enforcement uses a lot of very sophisticated tools that, that are pretty idiot proof because they have to get used by uh, like the, your average cop. So oh, that's good burn. I mean, I mean, it's 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 yeah. funny because it's, it's true. true. Like yeah. yeah. So like like if you look at like a um, like the first IMSI catchers. Like the first things to intercept cell phones were very, very tactical, but now they're very, very much like just an app you put on, you know, like the Stingray plugs into a computer or has a computer interface with a keyboard and a mouse. And like, it just, it's an app, it's probably touchscreen now. Like, and it's like, yeah, you know, and if, click if on it, the cell phone number to make it work, you if know? it fucks up, you just call tech support and they remote into your, they remote into your Stingray. So if you don't have SIGINT, but you have access to a Stingray, then an, then in theory, a normal GM shouldn't make you roll SIGINT to use the Stingray. Obviously, they can. I mean, arbitrate whoever you want, but like, you know, use technology or use assets to give your, at least it should give you a boost, you know, like a plus 40 to your SIGINT to intercept cell phone calls with the Stingray. You know what I mean? Whatever the case is, like argue for, you know, argue with the GM as you see fit. Right. So you're saying people should just try anyways, like just take specific actions to try and help, even if they, you know, aren't perfect at it. And you can assist, assist each other also. T- two of you working together gets, is going to give you a bonus. Right. Yeah. Uh, you could even find like non-technical roles for people to engage in uh, with the Stingray. We, we, uh, one of our first episodes was like, don't leave people in the car or whatever, because, you know, the adventure's not in the car. But hear me out. What if the adventure was in the car? Sorry, what? What if, you know, what if, <laughs> what, if, yeah. what, what, if, what if sitting in the car outside of the Sting had a purpose? You know, Jake, if if the, if if you're if you're saying the action takes place adjacent to the driver's seat, you might be talking about a shotgun scenario. Hey, oh man, <laughs> brilliant! <laughs> a riding shotgun scenario. I might have had a better line. No, but like if if you know that your your agent, your character doesn't have anything to contribute, and you still want to help, you can be like you know in a car outside, you know, making sure nobody sneaks up on this thing, which is a cue for you as the the GM to improvise that happening, right? Or yeah, yeah. Give the person outside something to do if they're going to stay outside. Like we we talked about it in the first thing. Like you know, it was bad for if the adventure exists inside of a place to force someone to sit outside to cover the exits. But I think like in certain circumstances, like the sting, it might be good for them to plan that, right? Yeah, because the adventure is not taking place inside the sting; it's taking place, you know, all around in the, the area, the approximation. Yeah. Uh, so you can have someone who's just sitting in a car doing surveillance communication. There's no skill. For communication, right? That's just a specific player action that you take. Uh, some You notice somebody pulling up as a doctor who's never had any experience doing a law enforcement sting. Uh, you say, hey, there's three guys coming in. Uh, looks like one of them has a gun. That's that's helping. That's part of it, right? And then, uh, you know, that, that player can choose to exit the car, follow them in from behind, you know? there's, I mean, the world, the, the possibilities are endless from that point. Well, and there's... there's... 
Well, there's more than two ways. There's two ways to have fun in Double Degree, right? You can be, you can play a bunch of cops who are hyper skilled, and then you're just like playing at the top of your ability, and you're just like kicking ass and taking names and like fighting, you know, big threats, right? Or you can play a bunch of doctors who are thrust into this and like having to come up with it on the fly and like scrappily surviving. That's that's a different kind of fun, but that's also fun, you know. It's like there's Coen Brothers fun, and then there's like Michael Mann fun. Neither of them is worse or better than the other. They're different kinds of fun. Sorry, I don't know who Michael Mann is. Yeah, I know. <laughs> People who don't understand who've seen movies would get the joke. Uh, so, uh, besides that, you know, there's characters who you might think not have anything that they can contribute to. Like I said, communication is free, but then you can also find ways to shoehorn in characters that you might not necessarily have thought you'd be able to use. Um, one example of this is like a computer scientist, right? You might look at a computer scientist who doesn't have any skill in drive or firearms or first aid or SIGINT. Well, he might have skill in SIGINT, right? So that's part of it. You, you look for what the character's strong suit is and then build your response to the situation around that. A computer scientist, right? Uh, you could install cameras at this thing so that other people can safely observe the thing from one room over. Or uh, you might, you know, learn how to use a stingray really quickly because you were a civilian uh, computer scientist and you never had access to one. But now you've got a cop friend on the team who says, yeah, I can get one of those. I don't know how to fucking use it. And you're like, well, I'm a brilliant computer scientist. So you just figure it out, like Kevin was saying. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, like I said, if they can go like, look at their motivations, if, if this... If the motivation of the computer scientist is to, you know, like be the tech whiz, be the tech wizard, then, you know, let them. Like, I remember, it's funny, I remember years ago I ran a scenario, uh, this Golden Witch Hill, and I had a player character who, who like, he kept wanting to hack the cameras, right? And I kept being like, look, this is an old building, it's like CCTV, like, if you didn't hack these, you have to go up with, like, an actual wire and like splice yourself into the line like that's a lot of work you can't just like from your laptop hack the cameras but like flash forward to today everybody's got ring cameras and wi-fi cameras you could just sit in the truck and hack all the cameras in like you know a one block radius and like pull up all the feeds like what was impossible five years ago is now made possible thanks to you know the internet of things if you can even hack the freaking you know like fridge you know see what the bad guys are drinking so like hack the toaster yeah ex- exactly right so if that's the character's motivation then to let them have that cool guy moment maybe you didn't plan on having cameras that way or maybe you know Maybe I should let him have the cool guy moment back then and be like, instead of CCTV, they are all Wi-Fi cameras and you do get a cool moment there. You know, so like, yeah, let your character shine. You know what I mean? I think it also builds tension if it's not just 100% focused on interacting with the target of the sting. Like, if you introduce another ball you have to keep in the air because here's this outside factor that you need to control and prevent from interrupting everything, that can make your players go... Ah, uh, shit, now I have to worry about this, too, in a really fun way. Well, look at the addition of Miss, what is it, Miss Janet, Janowski, Janikowski, or whatever, in uh, Last Things Last. You know, the the, no, the noisy neighbor with a little terrier dog. Like, yeah. that, you know, you don't need, no Delta Green character is well-suited to deal with that threat. So make, you know, other, other doctor, all right, well, this lady, he's coming over to ask why we're here so late. She's, you know, she's being a Karen, she's going to call the cops. So fucking figure it out. Like, go distract her. <laughs> you know? Like, maybe that cop decides to chloroform her. Or maybe that cop just talks to her. Like, uh, whatever. Or uh, the doctor, rather. You know, maybe they do it. a bunch of ways you can solve that challenge. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it just it just needs something like to pull your attention over there and make you feel like you've got to focus on the two things at once. It's good. Juggling is uh, part of what makes running heists and stings pretty fun. Uh, just when the players think they have something uh, completely in their control, you get to make the decision when you're running the game to throw a wrench in their plans or not. Which, you know, I'd say that's just another aspect of knowing your crew, right? Because like Will was saying earlier, it's really awesome whenever you've done all of the legwork and you pull off the magic code word and everything falls into place. It's really hard to achieve that. And if they've worked really hard to achieve that, I'd say don't throw the wrench. Yeah, so so stings and heights and stuff are a very good place to use. I don't know, Jake, if you're familiar with this, with this concept called clocks. Uh, no, I don't. Um, Can you explain them to me from first principles? <laughs> yeah. Well, so you know what? We already know you can't tell time. But a boom. <laughs> anyway. Oh, what another, what another straight singer. Um, so the, the double green is written as a very binary system. You either like, like you roll to do the sting, you either succeed or you fail. And that's kind of crappy, right? Um, so if, Every time the characters make a small mistake, you kind of start ticking these boxes on the, on this clock. You start kind of making check marks, and when you get when you get five checks, then the, this thing fails. So along the way, they have multiple chances to avert disaster, or the bad guys have multiple chances to become alerted. So that it's not a binary. You sting them, and you get all the intel, or they get a whip. They get away with it, you know. There's a there's gradation, so that, you know, like again, say the doctor goes try to talk to the lady, and you know it, they make a lot of noise. So that's kind of against your favor. So maybe the bad guys get a little more heightened. Maybe a couple more guards start patrolling. You know, the hacker man goes in and hacks the cameras, and he like sets off, you know, sets off like you know a, a silent he, alarm. He meets like their hacker who figures out what's happening. Okay, well they're not like they don't know that there's a heist about like a raid about to happen. They're just like somebody's in our cameras. So heightened, you know, alert goes up, whatever. So, you know, in, in what's nice about clocks is you can use them to illustrate to the players, like, this is basically how far from, you know, fucked you are, essentially. Like, it, it might give them a reason to become maybe a little more desperate or, or, or a little more careful. And also, in stings and stuff, a lot of times you can get paralyzed by just waiting. I'll wait to see what happens next. Wait to see what happens next. But as a GM, you start ticking parts of that. Okay, okay, you wait. You know, you wait another half an hour. Tick. All right, you're still waiting. Tick. Those players are gonna have to do something, like, or else it goes away. Right. <laughs> you can you can, you can take to, the to take it. the progress away on the clock. Yeah. Like anything that they've they've earned through their their progress, that take it away whenever they resort to inaction as a thing, uh, if it's appropriate, of course. Yeah, for sure. I'm pretty sure we called, I think that one of the first, I know we had an episode called Interesting Gradations of Failure, which I think is where we talked about this type of stuff. So Failing maybe forward, go, yeah. go reference that. I'll try to make Will's life easy by referencing an episode, at least I know it's aired. Yeah, no, that one, that was one of the first ones we did. Yeah, it was early. It was also years ago, so don't take anything we said there seriously if we've talked, if we've no, given no. better See, advice. See, in, in this very episode, I gave better <laughs> advice. I said, what if sometimes sitting in the car was okay? <laughs> Always, always take the advice that I have given most recently. That is, that is my best <laughs> advice. Except, except for any advice I give after this point, don't listen to future will. I am correct in this moment and this moment only. <laughs> always listen to my best advice unless I've given you better advice. But, but which one is your best advice? You go through all the outcomes and let me, you let me know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll do, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do a chart. AB, AB test your, your heist. Yeah. <laughs> All right, reset everybody. I want to try one more, one more time. I want to try something totally different. <laughs> Go back to one. <laughs> well, I, how about a good, a good recap, real quick. How about that? Um, when you're running the game, consider um, borrowing some rules from another game, Blades in the Dark, 
consider whether the the premise of whatever it is that they're trying to do in this case a sting whether it's a controlled environment an uncontrolled environment or a risky environment and you can plan your bad guys reactions around that um if someone wants and plan levels of reactions right clock style. right yeah you could almost just have a different count clock for each of those or you could just base like how desperate the actions of uh how 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 desperate the actions of the NPCs are in that. Uh, like I said, the controlled environment, like the Chris Hansen house, the first thing that most of those guys do when they were confronted was run away, which is a pretty desperate action. Yeah. Uh, whereas if, if your players are in a risky environment, if they're in the gang hideout and uh, something goes wrong inside of there, the NPCs are more in control of that situation so they can take a more measured response to what the players do. Um, so think about think about it in those game terms when you're planning on running the game. Uh, the other thing I think we talked about was letting characters have their moments and letting characters shine. Uh, if someone wants to do something and it, it probably will help, let them. Uh, players should use teamwork was another concept we covered. What am I missing? Um, something I'm going to bring up we haven't talked about, but it just came to mind. Somebody gave me this advice. Well, that defeats the GTRPG purpose of a recap, but all right. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, well it was, the recap jogged in memories, and now we're going to talk about it. If Will feels strongly, he can put this earlier, and no one will ever know, but I don't think he's, I don't think he's going to. He's not going to. He's not going <laughs> to. Um, no, right. normal this is not a shot of jake but like normal people have a very good understanding of like media properties so if somebody if somebody says you know they want to like you know set up on a roof um yeah so if somebody says you know they want to set up on a roof you know and watch this guy um that's a ter- terrible example um you're just thinking of scenes from the wire no. <laughs> which is a media property that yeah, i've seen yeah, yeah, so fuck yeah, right. you so no, that's an example. Good example. All right. So if you know people who've seen the wire, right? So somebody would step on a roof, he'd be like, all right. So you know, do you like you Kima Greg's this? You like taking like, you know, wicked good photographs? Like that's your your style. Like if the players if the players don't know how to describe it on their own, describe it by helping them by talking about a media property. You know, do they you know, do it like in the wire, really really you know successfully and and carefully, or are they kind of up there fucking off because they're not really sure what to do? You know, like you know if you're if you're in a fight with somebody, you know, like do you John Woo this gun battle or do you John Wicked? You know. Because players may not be comfortable going into full detail about how they just how they do things, and so they can kind of lean on stuff they know is a crutch and help kind of make things more narratively interesting. So if you're fit to do that, um, because so that does lead me back to the recap where I talked about you know play if your players want to get into the super weeds and talk about exactly how they tail and trail man front man two two car three car tailing, let them get into it. That's fun as hell. But if they don't give a shit about it, don't force it down their throats because it's going to make it unfun for them. So kind of know where your players are. Oh yeah, you're, no, how, um, how deep your players want to Your get. first point in talking about this today was that if the players plan something really good, you might not even call for dice rolls. That's part of the recap. There we go. Boom. It was it was a roundabout recap. Yeah, we got to the point eventually. Uh, something about uh, landing the plane already. Some people call it like a rotary rotary recap or a traffic traffic circle recap. Why do they call it that? Well, some people don't know what rotaries are. They call them other okay. things. It's very bizarre. Right. Kind of right. like how you call it pop some places and soda in other in, places. In yeah. Coke yeah. if you're in Alabama. Yeah. Do we need a, a stinger for this episode <laughs> on stings so we can play us out? You should, you should watch the sting. It's a good movie. <laughs>